0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on RashPixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki
1: Kinzer. Hello, hello, Pete Wright.
0: I know that uh, you're feeling strong. That is the truth, because we're using that language now yes. to make sure that we feel strong yes. all the time. I'm feeling-
1: even when we are not 100% strong, one hundred percent myself.
0: Hundo P, uh-huh. as the as the youth <laughs> say. Hundo P. Yeah, but let's just say uh, it is I'm a-
1: going to kind of take a, a little step back on this well, show. We'll see. Yeah. I'm maybe sure, not. You know what? I'm maybe sure I'll, you say that. I know. Maybe I'll get my.
0: You, you're you a passionate yeah, uh, person true. on this topic, and you've been talking a lot about it. We've been working up to it. I have a feeling we're going to get started, and you're not going to be able to control yourself. It could be. You'll just come untethered could be. in the conversation. Yeah. So uh, let's get started. We're going to talk about—this uh, is part one of a two-part conversation that we're having with our esteemed guest, I will introduce momentarily. Uh, we're talking about the job hunt. Yeah, the First part of the conversation, handling the emotion, the emotions of a job hunt. You have a job, you want a different one, uh, and we're going to talk about what goes into the way you think, the way you set your brain uh, to do that. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is Released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, if you've ever found that you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is a listener-supported podcasting platform, creator platform. So for a few bucks a month, you get access to the ADHD podcast live stream. You can join us live for these recordings and see what Chanel uh, occur on the show uh, in in the background. It's Sometimes it's not pretty. I cut that out of the main show. But if you're in the live stream, you see it all. It's like naked podcasting. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) There are no promises for any nudity on this podcast. Uh, But I will tell you that uh, being able to support us through Patreon for just a couple of bucks, collectively, you actually allow this to become a a significant part uh, of our careers and to develop more and invest more of our own time and energy into this show. So we deeply appreciate it. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more and support the show. Thank you. Our guest today is Dr. Doug. Doug, say hi to the people. Hi to the people. <laughs> Doug Hur, I you know I I was struggling a little bit because the last time I introduced you it was a uh, clinical psychologist he's a doctor and he's in Nashville yeah. and he's got this practice and he's doing all this stuff but your uh your own career trajectory has changed and I thought maybe as we are starting off our workplace series you know as we're talking about finding a job or looking to replace a job you know trying to to get your head in the right place uh for for uh, your head and your heart, I should say, in the right place to start that process, especially when you are living with ADHD and uh, and, and some of these other sort of uh, connected uh, issues uh, come about. I-, I thought it might be interesting for you to give just a brief. Uh, a sort of map of your own career trajectory, because I don't think you did it last time. And you and I had this conversation last week, and it's dizzying. It is dizzying how you got from there to here. Yeah, (laughs) right. So can you do that briefly? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I will try. Well, and first of all,
2: I, I should start with the caveat. I'm still actually a licensed psychologist. So I need to say first, you know, this whatever, whatever you hear here is not treatment. Right. Oh. Not, not therapy. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. This is an okay, important so legal statement. It um, is. Yes. I think everyone knows that, but you know, yeah. um, as a, so I, I'm a therapist in Nashville still. I do my work is, the therapy work I do is really almost all about the coaching work that I do. To the extent that it's not, it's about supporting people who need that around trauma. Um, but if somebody is ready to move forward in a powerful way, um, you know even with trauma there are ways to do that um it's about so i'm i'm working as a coach now and my my goal is to create a more powerful you and a path to the future you desire um so anyway that yeah that's a big shift for me i started out in engineering physics and i started out in a career path that was completely wrong for me that because i was not really attentive to everything about me didn't realize how badly I had, uh, I had, I had gone. I, I was very, very gifted in math, and I say was. It might really be past tense. I'm not sure I can do any of that anymore. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've got nothing. Um, but that's uh, unfortunate
0: because my next question involved a hypotenuse. I will. Oh yes. That. <laughs> oh god. I'm no. Like if you can no remind me what that word
2: means, <laughs> that'd be good. Um, you know. So yeah, I started off in engineering physics. And, um, I sometimes cry when I say this because I was, I was actually, uh, I'll just say I was building weapons of mass destruction. And, um, because I have a, I have an Ivy League degree, you know, everything that's sexiest about the kind of subatomic manipulations that I was doing, um, uh, is going to go first to military stuff. And mm. while, you know, I think in principle, we, we certainly need a Department of Defense. Um, It's sure not my calling to be part of anything like that. I did a personality test right at the end of my schooling for undergrad, and uh the woman said, well, you'd be better suited to doing safety standards for children's toys. <laughs> so wow. that tells you more, like, there's my heart and there's my mind, and I think a part of my ADD has been, like, I've been one or the other, but, you know, pulling them all together uh, it's to where my... You know, there's the, I'm more me has been a ch- challenge in a life life process. Um, I I will say too, I start off. I have I think a significant history of depression and anxiety, um, and it's especially around job hunting. Probably the only thing worse than that for me has been dating, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, s- some of the troubling things for me around my ADHD, uh, which I don't think is severe. I mean, there are definitely people out there struggling more than I have, um, but I, you know, I forget in a half second what's going on or I get really excited about what I'm thinking about what's Pete's saying and realize in a few seconds that I have no idea what Pete's saying anymore because I'm paying attention to what I'm thinking about, what, you know. So yeah. my, my consciousness can run all over the place, um, which has been a real challenge for me. Um, and. I remember when I was job hunting as an engineer, uh, the the pressure of trying to figure out what was the right way to be and the right thing to do and all of that, it was, it was really challenging at times. Um, I remember my uncle gave me the phone number of a CEO for a tech company, and I was so anxious about it. It took me hours to work up the courage to do it. And afterwards, yeah. all I did was leave a message with the secretary. And I was so exhausted (laughs) that I fell asleep for hours in the middle of the day. That's it.
0: It's a high caloric activity, right, this job hunt. It's a high calorie burn.
2: And I think a lot of that had to do with my ADHD.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: You know, because that made me really anxious to, you know, kind of be all over the place. Um, Anyway, so that's a little bit of my story. I, I always had people coming up to me. My favorite part of studying was study breaks. I'd plan a 15 minute study break and ended up being two hours of talking with someone. Eventually I made a career out of that. And, <laughs> you know, because people would just come up to me and start talking. So I, I realized well, I have no idea how to respond to this. And I became a psychologist. Um, I really became a psychologist out of a desire to do positive psychology and help people be the most they could be. I had no idea there was this thing called coaching. And more recently in the last couple of years, I've studied ontological coaching, which is, about changing, not just trying to change the results you get, not just trying to change the things you do to get different results, but really changing how you see yourself and how you see reality to get the most powerful results. So it's when you change what you do and the results you get, it's all just organic Mm -hmm. because you've changed how you see reality and how you see yourself. And I'm very much, as a therapist, invested and as a coach, invested in helping people to see themselves in more positive and more effective ways.
0: I, that is uh, that's a great segue, actually. It makes for a great transition. And I, yeah. I, I will say by means of introduction for this part of our conversation, we, we had Dr. Bill Dodson on um, uh, some uh, late last year, and he introduced us to this uh, subject, rejection sensitive dysphoria. Uh, as as he talks about it, the extreme emotional sensitivity and pain triggered by the perception that a person has been rejected or criticized by important people in their life. It may also be triggered by a sense of falling short, failing to meet their own standards or others' expectations. Now, in, in terms of living with ADHD, that. Having words to define that experience was, I, 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 I don't think it's a stretch to say monumental for a lot of folks, myself included. Like, Oh just my the, God. There was, it's like right? my life story right there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I came out of math and physics where everything is perfect. And that's what yeah. I thought I should be. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I treated religion the same way. And it just became very, very toxic because yeah. I, I sort of noticed at some point how perfect I'm not. And now I'm fond of saying, you know, I've never met perfect.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This is the fantasy
2: we have. And I I would direct anyone to Brene Brown if you Mm -hmm. struggle with all that the way I would. But you just like named my pain. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah. a lot of people felt. Uh, we got a lot of conversation in our Discord uh, and a lot of feedback from listeners too, because that's exactly what they said. It's like, yep, that's it. You you nailed it. You got it. That's how I feel. And the job market, when you're looking for a new job, I mean, gosh, what a huge trigger for these emotions to come out for so many reasons, you know?
0: Yeah, and and so in, in terms of setting, I just want to make sure we set the stage because there, we do want to do this in two parts. And the first one that we want to start with today is you, you don't have a you have a job you don't like but maybe it's secure enough but you'd rather do something else you don't feel like it's in alignment with who you are it, and it's a little bit of an idealistic and I, I think I risk this and so I want to out my own bias like I uh, sometimes say oh you you know you should just change your job but that is not a reality for a lot of people and so figuring out how to put the the it's not an in, immediate reality right and so there's the emotional work you have to do to be able to to figure that out and then. Obviously Obviously, there's the practical work that you have to do, uh, w- which may be different. But let's assume that for, for this purpose, we're going to start our series on the you know, ADHD and work with finding a job that's in alignment with who you are. And how do you figure that out?
2: You know, what you said is really important, even if you already have a job. So many people are living paycheck to paycheck, which means that a job is kind of a survival issue. And. You know, we're talking about if you already have a job and you need a better job, it might be because you know you're in peril and, you know, you could lose this job at any minute or you're going to lose this job or you work with people who hate you or some crazy thing like that. And if, if that's your situation, you absolutely need to be working on that change as much as possible, as fast as possible. Because if you're working with people who are against you, there's often not a good fix for that. Like, you might be able to turn that around if you have the right skill set or the right coaching, but some systems just aren't worth staying in. If you're in that system, I I think, you know, it's a dangerous place to be. You know, when survival's on the line, as opposed to just, you know, hey, I'm making 200,000 a year, and I just want to try and make three, you know? That's usually yeah. a different feeling than, you know, I-, I can't uh,
0: leave this job because I'm not, I have healthcare, and this is the only way I'm going to keep healthcare. Yeah, I got to pay right?
2: the rent and put food on the table, And I have kids. You know, that situation I think exacerbates not just anxiety, but also ADHD. One way to think about ADHD, I'm sure you guys have talked this a lot more than me, is it can be an artifact of trauma, the hyperscanning of the environment for something dangerous. If you feel like your job is at risk or your income is at risk, then you're in danger. So um managing that anxiety is. Is important. We're going to probably talk more about that in the next
0: hour. I really love the idea of uh, of that the way you are framing that concept of you know that that you are in danger. Um, I, I think that can apply in a number of different ways. Like the first one, you know, when you're talking about your income is in danger, your uh, health and safety are in danger. If you if you are like there's this lizard brain that says I'm going to lose my shelter, I'm going to lose my health care, my medical, I'm going to those those put me in physical harm potentially. And and uh, so to to connect that experience experience with the exacerbated experience of ADHD uh, is an important sort of lesson number one out of this, Um, you know, when it when it puts you in in job mode. And so, um, you know, if we if we step back a little bit, and you try to kind of unlayer what the like the next level of Maslow's, you know, level two, uh, you know, how much do you talk about what is going on with the current job experience um, with, you know, if you with somebody who is just looking to do something different to find a new yeah. path?
2: Well, I, I really believe, you know, you, you always want to be positive. You know, you, employers now, it's like, it's really dicey to ever say anything negative about someone who's leaving. So I don't know if you guys have seen this, but in academia, this is absolutely true. Like, when you write a recommendation letter for somebody, it's glowingly positive. Otherwise, it's assumed if you damn them with faint praise, that's as bad as it gets nowadays. So by the same token, if you're leaving a position, you don't want to say, Oh, I'm leaving this job because I hate it or because my boss is unfair to me. Um, I have, you know, a disability and, uh, everyone's mean. So you know, you, all that is right off the table. You're looking to grow. And so you want to frame this in your own mind first as positively as possible and then you want to communicate along those same lines you know the the more positive you can be about everything uh the better and i'm not talking about pollyanna like the first thing this is more for the emotional piece uh for the the second hour but let's talk about the stockdale paradox um
0: I haven't even heard of this thing. What is the Stockdale uh, Paradox? Y-
2: you might have, but the the Stockdale Paradox. Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking military officer to be um, held in Vietnam. He was captured, and okay. I was like John John McCain. You know, I mean, they okay. broke his legs, they tortured him, and he had basically. He said, "How do people come out stronger in a difficult situation? I mean, difficult, you know? Yeah, on what we can imagine, um, and he said." you got to face the brutal facts of your reality for exactly what they are and retain the faith that you will prevail in the end. So when I say stay positive, I don't mean pretend. I don't okay. mean that. You've you got to be able to stay positive while you're looking at the most challenging aspects of your situation. Frame the difficulties in terms of the positive outcome you're trying to create, you're working to create. Does this make
0: sense? It does. And it feels like any, like it feels like if we, if we step back and just say practically, it doesn't actually matter if you're in a job that, um, that you feel like is putting you in some sort of emotional peril, or if you're in a job and you it's just not the right path. You just don't
2: like it or it's not. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Like, I mean, I worked for a low
2: tech engineering company after my, you know, getting out of high tech because of, the, the difficulties I had with everything becoming militarized. Um, well, you know, in the low-tech, it was fine. It just wasn't me. And th- so in, there was another chapter to my, there's plenty of chapters to that. There's a lot of chapters. <laughs> Great job hunting yeah. for me. Um, but, you know, the low-tech part was okay, but totally uninspiring. And I wanted a, I wanted a job that inspired me. Um, and so, yeah, I think the more that you can you know, continue to lead yourself in a direction. You know, I think everyone needs to be a leader in this environment. You know, there's no gold watch waiting at the end of a long career in a company. Um, people make a lot of moves. So seeking new employment or new adventures, if you're an entrepreneur, I think is normal these days um, and expected. So that's not a negative.
0: That, that's an interesting question. I just want to interject, at, at, or or an interesting observation that I think. Uh, that we we get an assumption that uh, if I'm moving from job to job, even every couple of years, that that will be a negative. And uh, I agree with you. And what I'm hearing is that that's, that is not the case. Like it is, it is assumed that people are navigating. Like we, it's just, we have a, a trend that, um, you know, you're, we aren't careerists any, you know, so much anymore as, you know, we were maybe a decade or two ago.
2: The modern ethic of, of growth is, you know, it's okay to make mistakes, uh, make them in a direction. So, yeah. you know, you're uh, failing forward fast, I think is the old sales language. And, yeah. you know, people with ADHD are usually really good at sales. So <laughs> <laughs> if you've never read Brian Tracy, you know, <laughs> you might want to do yeah. that. Um, right. So take it as normal. It's, it, You know, the career path, honestly, the whole workplace is more ADD than it's ever been
0: that could work works to your benefit
2: it can it provides cover yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> camouflage <laughs> I'm just like everyone else. Well, Uh, I just
1: want to add, I think that when you put a positive spin, like what you're saying, and you're not talking negative and and poorly about all of your past employers, it's a very different story. It's a very different interview at that point, right? I mean, you know, you're talking about your experiences and your, uh, well, the experiences that you've had in these different companies and what you've been exposed to. And if you put that in a positive light, that could be a really great thing.
2: Oh my gosh. That is so important. And the other side of that coin is that you're thinking and looking at yourself and talking about yourself in a positive light mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I, oh my gosh. The first, one of the job interviews I had is, as an engineer, you know, with a high tech, I remember the president of the company looking at me and saying, you know, a job interview shouldn't be like a counseling session.
1: <laughs> Ooh, good point. was
2: giving you counseling. <laughs> I That's was sitting there, really you know, good. That was, it was oh this this is really bad, you know. I'm so <laughs> I I sure it was all over my face that I just did not look happy with what I was shooting for. I had yeah. this incredibly high powered engineering degree so I thought, well, this is what I have to do. And I felt trapped and you know, nobody wanted to hire me. And and that was good ultimately mm-hmm. because I didn't want it ultimately. But yeah. so it's really important that you're positive. You know, you're you're going in a direction you at least Think is something you want. Like honestly, if I had discovered that I could do, you know, career coaching and professional development and leadership development early on in my career, um, I would have preferred that. But I didn't understand this path. But I took steps in the direction. I got closer with every step, and I'm I'm still doing it today, and it keeps it fun.
0: One thing I would just like to throw in explicitly: no matter how hard it is to swallow the bad stuff. Uh, I think there is something to habituating the positive language, right, and getting getting yourself really good at saying, you know, this last job I had, I loved it, and now I'm looking for something more. I loved it, and I I had I learned so much, and now I'm looking for something more. And and I think we live in when we go into the job hunt mode, we live in a a, a state of sort of, um, I'll say gently, maybe insecurity or anxiety about all of the what ifs uh, at the end of every interview, at the end of every company contact. What What's going to happen if I don't end up getting this job? And we perseverate on that. But the ADHD brain is going to say, hey, this is we're going to go ahead and uh, paint the end state of this experience as finished. At least, uh, you know, I'll say that's what the fireworks in my brain do. Like I am already before I even have an interview, I've already failed at that interview because I have so much experience not being very good at uh, you know, job interviews or letting my anxiety get the better of me or not or tripping over my own words or whatever. That history is real and verified in my head. And I can already paint you a picture of what it's like to lose a job I haven't even interviewed for yet. And that is a I think a very challenging space to live in when you even contemplate hitting the job market again. Does this resonate at all with you? Yeah, that's that.
2: that's the kind of work that I try to really help people with because this is beyond ADHD. This is what ADHD has done to your mind. Yes. And, and, and everything else. I, I call that you're mostly dead all day because you really, you haven't got a chance, right? Mm-hmm. You've already scripted the future. Right. As a negative experience before you walk into it. Well, the problem is how powerful you are. And when you see it that way, you realize there's an opportunity there. We need to take your power and, Turn it around to where you're creating in your own mind a future to live into. It's much more positive than that. So staying positive is this terribly important thing. Like, and I love the way you framed that. You know, I you might not even say I love this job, but you might say here's the best part about this job. There's got to be something in there that was a positive growth experience. If you looked at who you were before that job, you know, what did you gain? There had to be something positive you gained along the way, or Your mindset is not looking at it right because there's always something.
1: Because you could even say resilience. I mean, if you say what was the best part of the job and, and may, and again, I would not go into detail about why you didn't like your boss or why your boss didn't like you, but you could certainly talk about resilience and how I felt like, you know, I was able to get through some of these difficult times. I was able to solve some problems. I was able to, I mean, there's, there's things that you could definitely Twist it, but I'm curious, Doug, because what I'm hearing, and I don't know if this is if if this is correct or if if other people are hearing it this way, but if you have this this mindset that you already know what the outcome is going to be and it's negative, then does it make sense for somebody then before they do the job search to talk to someone like you and talk to a therapist or a coach and work out some of that mindset stuff before they go into the job search?
2: Well, thanks for the softball lob. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: because, yes. Right? You know, like, I mean, because no, it feels I mean, like, honestly, there's some, like there's some conversation that needs to be made here before... Yeah.
2: So let me, let me clarify. Abs- yeah, absolutely. The, there's a conversation that needs to end. Because the conversation that you're having is based on the past. Like, Pete, what you described is something that your brain... Um, has already gener- generated this conversation. And what happens is the things that we learn in life that seem protective to us, our brain latches onto. They're all from the past, but our brain puts them in the future to keep us living safely now. And living safely means don't get a new job. I mean, that's the subtext of what your mindset that you described there, right? And of course, there's more to you, but if you have that in the background, man, that's killing your energy, right? Because people aren't just hiring your skill set or your, you know, what you look like on a piece of paper. They're hiring you, and if you walk in and you're already completely ambivalent about being there, like I was, where the guy's just like, it shouldn't be like a counseling. Yeah,
0: session. I shouldn't be giving you therapy.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I, th- and that is exactly the kind of thing that I like to work with people on is. How do you create breakthrough results in your own life is future-based language. You, if you bring closure to that conversation from the past so that it can retreat into the past, it's still there, but you can say to it, thanks for sharing, without having it own you, you own it. It's wisdom for you then. It's not controlling you. And then you say, here's what I'm committed to. Here's the possibility I want to create for the future. Here's what I'm committed to. This is the future I want to be the cause of. I'm going to be responsible and live into this. I'm declaring that as who I'm going to be as I move forward in life, that which is a powerful conversation. And, you know, that attracts responsibility to you. Um, and it's coming from this inspired place. It's a whole different energy that you can bring and that you know, this isn't what I thought we were going to talk about at all today. (laughs) But yes. And and that's, so yeah, that, that's my passion right there is if we can bring closure to the past and create a, a desired future and then take steps to live into it. To me, that's the most powerful way to change your life
0: part part of the issue i we we're, we're hearing and part of the 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 sort of batch of questions that have come into us over this um you know the this last couple of months that we've been talking about a, a work series is you know how do you get over that hump when you're not sure what that future looks like when you don't know what like it, it, i guess this is the the uh, what color is my parachute Conversation, right? But when you're existing in this kind of circle of anxiety, insecurity, um, you know, uh, sort of internal malpractice of Mm -hmm. negative future talk, Mm -hmm. uh, how do you work through the process of landing in a direction with someone uh, in terms of practically, sort of how they want to apply their skills in the world?
2: A lot of it for me has to do with being willing to not know what's going to happen. Um, because I have to invite who I'm talking with into a conversation. Uh, And, you know, I'd love to say that here are the six easy steps. The problem is I know that that doesn't work, right? Um, there, there are things that that works for, but changing the mindset and this, the stuff for the past, um, that's gotta be a, a conversation. And the reason for that has to do with, um, It's probably in the person's blind spot. Yeah. Okay. So I know there's what I know and I know that I know it. There's what I don't know and I know that I don't know it. And then there's everything else in the universe, which is that I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. And and thank you, Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. That, that whole realm is. God, that's a creepy reference, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unknown unknown, Doug. It's an unknown unknown. But, but there's a reality yeah. to that. You know, the unknown unknown is this, it can be this big positive place.
0: Well, and I worry, I worry that you buried a phrase that I want to I want to land on harder Uh, because we've been talking all about fear and the fear of this uncertain future and not knowing like the living safely means don't get a new job. Right. Because I'm terrified. What happens if I search for a new job? And then you said it starts with being willing. Say it again. It's willing to uh, to. Embrace the unknown, something like that Like it's like not being Scared of, of the unknown but being willing to, to know that it's out there And that's okay
2: So let me, let me rephrase that a little bit Yeah, It's scary to deal with the unknown To, to realize you don't have to be controlled By that fear um, when, when fear is external you, You're often like Moving away from it When fear is internal It can be really powerful to move Into it with support if I can move into what's scary for me, like what's scary for me is maybe being vulnerable and not knowing about um, how to make something happen that I want to happen. I don't like, I want this kind of career. I have no idea how to get there. If I retreat from the situation, then I'm stuck. If I can move into a conversation and say, look, I don't know. Um, can you tell me more? To, you know, whoever important players might be. Then I'm moving into a transformational space my, for myself. And also, I'll, I'll be learning new things. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite sayings is, if you're in the, a boat in the middle of a lake, and you have a paddle, but you have no concept of how to use it or where you want to go, just start smacking the water. Right, <laughs> you just do something <laughs> <laughs> because
0: eventually you're going to figure the out the boat will start to move. It'll yes, start to move, and you'll, and you'll figure out in the right
2: way. Yeah, and there are ways to use paddles that are more and less effective, but you got to try and do something. And if you can have someone there who can be helpful to you, um, you you never know who that might be. You know, get support in this journey. You know, turn accomplices into allies is is one way to. To think about that, human beings are incredible resources for each other. If you go to your friends and you're talking negatively about the job hunt and they're sympathizing, okay, that's fair. But what is it getting you? I I would suggest going to your friends and saying, "Look, I need you to hold me accountable, not to be Pollyanna and pretending everything's fine. Remember the Stockdale paradox. I, I need you." To help me live into a future possibility that hasn't been created yet. I need you to uh, ask me if I'm taking steps each day, if I'm arranging my environment to support moving forward. I need you to, to encourage me and, and maybe tell me if you see me doing something that isn't working that you think will be helpful to me moving forward in a more, in a more effective way. You don't always get advice that's useful, but you just say thank you. And then, you, right. you know, you take the wheat, you throw out the chaff.
0: As, as we get toward wrapping up part one, uh, I, I want to talk about, um, well, I guess in, in a way uh, to embrace some of what you're already talking about. We have a comment and question from somebody in the chat room that I think is apropos of right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to throw it at you and see what you think. Uh, watching this while applying for jobs how would you apply this willingness to embrace the unknown for new career fields? How do you manage that fear of the unknown for interviews and new career fields? Or is this just really for stepping into a new job? And uh, as an aside, what should I be looking for in a coach? Uh, So I uh, will hmm. we'll definitely talk, take that separately. But this this first one, it, it feels uh, kind of like what you're addressing here, right? How do you apply this willingness to embrace the unknown for an entirely new career field? And, um, you know, coming from engineering physics into uh, therapy, into coaching, maybe you have a little experience with that.
2: Oh, yeah, totally. Um, well, there's two things. One is noticing a lot of this has to do with what we notice, right? I, I was always most concerned about what I know a lot of life is about what you notice. One of the things I, I you know, I, I I knew a lot about math and physics. Um, what I didn't notice that was really important was my own heart. Uh didn't care about all that so much. I mean, it was a fun hobby for me, but it wasn't a career. Like moving into a new field, what's important to you is important. That's the first thing. If you're looking for a new career, uh, it's never good to trade happiness for money. You, you need enough money to survive. That's true, and at the same time, in today's market, I think you're going to be most effective if you're going for something that you really want to spend your time doing so that's the first thing is notice what's important to you. Uh, another piece is notice your skills so there are there are two job tools that I used to use for this, uh, or not job tools um, career career counseling tools. One is a strong interest inventory, and i'm I'm sure there are other interest inventories, but it shows what am I interested in? What's important to me? The other one is the Myers-Briggs, which is how does my personality function? Am I an introvert or an extrovert? Am I oriented toward things that are concrete or abstract? Things like this. But what we used to do is correlate all of that with the Dictionary of Occupational Titles. If you can see how your interests relate to so many more jobs than you ever knew existed, that can be really useful
0: and empowering too yeah. right i mean oh, it can, yeah. that can lead to a lot of, a, a great confidence yeah
2: well okay so so this is the other thing confidence is about you realizing your own value and that the skills that you have you know i had myself pigeonholed this is this is i mean this is kind of dumb beyond words which is how i was <laughs> um i had you know i had really one of the most difficult degrees from one of the most powerful universities in the world. And I didn't have the confidence to try something different because I didn't think I was smart enough to pull it off. Okay. So I didn't yeah. think that I was smart enough to, because like, if you put me in a TGI Fridays, I cannot be a waiter. I just don't have the skill set to do that. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you get me the right niche, like it took me a long time to work into this. I had to go back to school for years to change my career. Not everyone will have to do that. I, I, you know, I always try and dissuade people from doing that if there's any way not to. And if I knew then what I know now, like these tools, like, you know, the strong interest inventory, the Myers-Briggs and the dictionary of occupational titles, there are all kinds of options out there that you can learn about. That can be very, that can be very powerful. Um, and you know, my lack of self-confidence was because I was on a path that was so wrong for me. It it wasn't that I was stupid in any way, but I just felt stupid, and I didn't know why. I I didn't have the language to clarify who I was, what I wanted, and how to move forward. And uh, I just obtained that secondhand over life. You know, that's a lot of what therapy or coaching is about, is helping you to develop language skills that clarify who you are. I assume you're perfect, whole, and complete from the very beginning it's just a matter of kind of getting the caca out of the way. <laughs> you know, like that conversation of, well, I know this is going to suck because getting a new job is terrifying. Like, no, getting a new job could be the most exciting thing you've very ever done.
1: exciting, right. Yeah. You could yeah. actually feel like you're more alive than you were before.
2: Oh, that's what's happening for me all the time mm-hmm. now. And so let me tell you what I think is good in a, a therapist or a coach. Absolutely most important thing is... Feeling like you can be yourself um, and be heard and understood that's that's the first thing. If you can't open up and be who you are, then whatever you're doing it's not therapy. you know it's at least it's not the way that I I don't know maybe i'm uh, I'm not an idealist, but if you're going to spend the time and energy to do coaching, boy, you get your money's worth. Get somebody who inspires you that you feel like this person understands me. They care Mm -hmm. about me. They care about me. You know, they care about who I am. They're not trying to just run me through a program of blah, 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 and it feels all mechanical. No, it has to resonate at a heart level. Does that resonate with you, Nikki? Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: I'm sure you have an answer for this too.
1: Well, I I think what you're saying is, I mean, there's gotta be a trust trust level there, right? You have to be able to be vulnerable to that person because there's things that, that they talk to or they talk to us about that they don't talk to anybody else about. And it it needs to be, without judgment and and not and especially with ADHD with the kind of coaching I do, I know that there's so many people who feel bad that we're talking about their planner. I'm like, don't feel bad about talking about your planner. You know, we need to we need to figure this out so it works for you. Don't apologize. You don't need to apologize. And I think they're so used to doing that all the time. That's so
2: huge because I feel like this is there's so much about all of this. Yeah, you know what? The Franklin planner was this huge deal. The Getting things done, right, is a book. That book, it takes a master's degree to understand that. People with ADHD (laughs) feeling bad about their planners, no, 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 no. no. Everyone feels stupid about their planner nowadays because it's too complicated. Right, Everything is challenging here about, you know, like I have, I don't know how many calendars I have now. (laughs) and you really need to have one, but (laughs) getting my different calendars to integrate and all show up in the same place. And then what do you put on your calendar? I was taught, just put appointments on your calendar and tasks are in a different place. You know what? What it turned out for me, I've realized is if that's the way I do it, then I have these big blank spaces. What I need is to fill those up with tasks. So I have committed time because otherwise, I'm going to go wandering off and chasing my little brain around and doing all kinds of silly things that aren't useful.
1: And that's such the key or that is the key is to figure out what works for you. And, and, you know, what works for you isn't going to necessarily work with, uh, with another client. Thank you. And yeah, that, that's, that's, I think the beauty of doing it with someone, you know, whether it's a coach, a friend, a colleague that you trust, somebody you trust, Uh, you know,
2: and to realize this is not a uniquely, oh, I just need this because I have ADHD. Nonsense. I do this with doctors, bankers, lawyers. You know, this is everyone needs support. Everyone needs a conversation. If you're going to change your mind, it doesn't happen in isolation. The the only kind of change that happens there is usually the more it changes, the more it stays the same.
1: Well, and if you think that ADHDers are verbal processors, many of them are verbal processors. They have to have that. They have to hear themselves speak and talk. And and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, aha, I get it.
2: And, and you know, honestly, again, to me, it's like maybe more so for ADHD. I don't know. But that's a human thing. Everybody's. It's like if what you think is. A thought that makes a lot of sense or is clear in your head is nonsense compared to when you put it into words and speak it out loud.
1: Well, and something I want to add, and I'm sure, Doug, you're, you're going to agree to this, is that when you're when you're with a client and you're hearing them talk and you're hearing the way that they're speaking about themselves and their experiences and you hear the limiting beliefs and you hear the words that they're using, when you reflect that back to them, they're surprised. They don't even know that that's how they spoke about themselves necessarily, right? And and that's an eye-opening moment too, to have that awareness all of a sudden that, wow, I really was beating myself up over that. I wouldn't have talked to my daughter or son or best friend or husband or wife or partner like that. Why am I doing that to myself? And so having that reflection back too can make a big difference. So I, you know, for looking for a coach, I would definitely say you want to be- um, Just
2: made me want to hire you, Nikki. Well, or you <laughs>
1: Or you, but you want them to be, I, you want them to kind of call you out on it a little bit, right? I mean, you yeah, got to be yeah. able to have somebody well, that that can see what you don't see or hear.
2: I'm just acknowledging you're going to have this feminine energy that you bring to listening that is harder for us men to pull off in general, mm. because you know, as soon as I hear something, and it's part of again, probably my ADD, but I'm like ready to run forward with it, and. But just the grounding of what you just said, like just really putting back to somebody what they just said is can be, that can be all you need to do sometimes. Right. Right. You know, because then the transformation happens and it's, it's a little, it's a little elusive or almost deceptive how simple it can be. Mm -hmm. But you know, the question is, Oh, why didn't I, I should have thought of that? You know, it's like, no, that's not how it works. And it's okay that that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything I is, planned,
0: we did not yeah. do.
1: I know, right? That's <laughs> yeah. what makes this podcast so that's great. All right.
0: <laughs> we we are going to continue. That's okay, because we're going to yeah. continue this conversation next week. We have a whole lot more stuff to talk about. And uh, we're going to be talking about a little bit more of the... I'm gonna say it a little bit more of the painful side of finding a new job next week uh so make sure and uh stick with us stick with us and dr doug dr doug her nashville tennessee uh where do where do you want people to to go what's your, what's your website uh right now
2: oh god it's so embarrassing it's so behind <laughs> it really is it's totally out of date now but that's okay uh, the website is uh changetime dot com okay
1: Oh, I like that. Well, what very, a great. That's very timely.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it is except for that if you try to look it up and you don't have it just right, you'll get something about daylight savings. So <laughs> 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 I got to change it, but you know, it's all right.
0: <laughs> change time oh, is now to <laughs> change, change your website right now. I love it. The things you learn about so Google, much. right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Doug, for hanging out with us this week. Looking forward to continuing this conversation next week. On behalf of Dr. Doug her and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.